Pastor Jared from Renewal Church. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you to those of you who are joining us online today. Why don't you take a second and share this with whoever. There's somebody out there that I bet could use a little bit of peace and a little bit of hope in their life, and maybe you could help them with that. Hey, so listen, today we are coming to you live from Boston Common because next week we want you to join us in the Common. We are going to be here 1030 a.m. We're going to be open to the public, and it is going to be a safe and fun time. We have worked really hard to make sure that it is extremely safe and extremely fun. Now, today is going to be a great day for you. We're continuing our series, Unity in a Divided World. We're going to sing a couple of songs together and practice that unity that we have when we worship God together. Then I'm going to teach, and uh, it's going to be a great time. The whole thing's going to take about 45 minutes. All right, I'm going to pass it off to Josh, also known as Cowboy Josh. Today, you're NASCAR Josh. And we're going to worship together. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. Excited to be back here with you guys, worshiping here in the Boston Commons. And hey to everybody watching online. Yeah, it's fun to be back and seeing everybody's smiling faces. And yeah, let's do some worship.
God so much for everything that you do for us and for this opportunity to come out and worship together and uh, just be be together in a space of worship. We thank you for uh, this beautiful day and for everybody who's able to come out and join us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thanks all for worshiping. I'm going to pass the mic over to Heather now, so yeah. Good morning, everyone. We are so excited to have you live here in Boston Common. We have a bunch of people joining us on the lawn as well as those who are online. And this is our last week of us getting ready for you. Next week is the official launch to meet in person at Renewal in Boston Common, and we are just so excited for that. Um, it's really important for you to know that in order to fill out the connection card, in order to hear the lyrics or to read the lyrics and to know what's going on, to, to sign on to renewalchurchboston.com connect. And that will have a lot of really important information. It will have the notes since we're doing this live, renewalchurchboston.com connect. And um, if you come, you will get a free picnic blanket. We've already handed out so many today. And first-time guests get uh, these really awesome chairs. And we're just so excited to have you join us next week in Boston Common Live. And um, because we're meeting live now in Boston Common, you will need to know some important information. So make sure to text RENEWAL to 617-297-9446, and that will automatically sign you up to get the important information that you need about meeting on Sundays and everything like that. So we are very excited for you to join us again today, and uh, Pastor Jared's getting ready to come and continue our series about unity in a divided world. But before he does that, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for this beautiful day you've given us and the opportunity to meet again um, in person. And we look forward to next week when, when everyone can come together, if they feel comfortable and worship together, God. I pray that you will give Jared the words um, to say that he will be able to communicate straight from your word what it is that you have to challenge us and to teach us and to grow us to be more like you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Here's Jared. Thanks. Josh had to get his coffee. Priorities, guys, you know. Hey, so thank you for joining us today. Um, we are live in Boston. If you're wondering why I'm dressed like a poor Jonas brother, it's because we're in Boston Common and I got to work on my tan. And um, so we are here live. It's 1030 a.m. and next week we want to invite everybody who's watching online to join us in person. We did a couple of preview services, some practices here to make sure that we could nail the safety aspect of everything and to make sure that we could have a safe and fun environment for you. Hey, if you are watching online, make sure and share this right now because I bet there's someone in your life who could use a little bit of freedom or hope today and maybe you could be the person to bring that into their life. If you've joined us as guests today, we are very glad that you are here in the common and make sure and see Nicole at the table. She's got some free gifts for you after the service. Hey, so today we're continuing our series, Unity in a Divided World, but I wanted to start off by reminding everyone that there is 85 days until the presidential election. So if you weren't full of anxiety and worry before, man, that probably triggers it off the charts. And here's what, I'm guessing that I didn't have to remind anyone of that because if you've been on social media, whew, man, it's getting rough out there. 
we live in a hyper-partisan, hyper-political environment. And I know some friends that have gotten off social media for a while, and I don't blame them. I mean, is anyone else out there tired of their cousin, sister's ex-boyfriend posting about how Black Lives Matter is a front group for Marxists? Or is anyone out there sick of their friend's cousin's Aunt Marilyn posting about how the Trump administration is sending fireworks into the inner city to destabilize our cities? Or is anyone out there tired of their Uncle Raymond posting about how the world is flat? Uncle Raymond, for the life, I mean, it is 2020. They have pictures from outer space. It's just, it is hyper-partisan, it is hyper-political. And here's the bad news. It's going to get worse over the next 85 days. There is very little that we can do about the broader conversation in our society. But maybe, maybe we could do something about how we All right. You want to say something about... <laughs> <laughs> hey, so we're doing a preview service in the comments so that we could figure out things like our speakers overheated and died. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to move a camera up closer to the shade so that everyone can sit in the shade so that the people here can hear me in person. And I'm going to go straight to camera so that you guys can still hear me. So it's a little awkward, but in about two minutes, we'll start again. family so I'm going to speak right in front of them if that works for you guys because otherwise you're gonna be worried about them the whole time if I'm speaking like right in front of my family hey sorry everybody it's a 
it's a good thing we didn't invite any guests to come today since we're <laughs> working in the in the in the common. <laughs> Tell me when you're ready. Yeah, we're good. All right, I'm gonna half yell. Does that work? Yeah. All right. Come on, All right, so here's what we're talking about today. 85 days till the election. Everyone is already losing their minds. And it's only gonna get worse. But maybe we could live in a different way. And my hope is that our church could live in a slightly different way because the hyper-politicized nature of our country, I just don't think it's good for our church. All right, so that's politics. Let's talk about something else for just a second. Let's talk about salt for a second. My wife, Heather, buys pink Himalayan salt. Have you ever heard of this stuff? I, I found it at Walmart, which I think means that pink Himalayan salt has jumped the shark. But here's what, here, it's, it's saltier than regular salt. I don't even know if that's a thing, but if you take one single grain of it and you put it on your tongue, your whole, your whole mouth tastes salty. You can take one single grain and put it on your tongue. It changes the whole flavor because salt is its own thing. It's so distinct. You know, one time Jesus was talking about salt. He has this really famous quote about it. Let me read it to you. He said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You know, what Jesus is saying about salt there, it's, it's classic Jesus, which is, at first you're like, what is he talking about? He says, his followers, Jesus says, people of faith, churches are supposed to be distinct. Just like that salt. If there's one Christian in a community, if there's one church in a community, it flavors the whole thing. If your church is like a community inside the larger community, your church is like a city inside the larger city, that changes the flavor of the entire thing. And according to Jesus, if a church loses its distinctiveness, it's not good for anything. It, this is Jesus classic right here, because with him, it's always all or nothing over the top. He says, you can throw it out into the street and let the cars run over it because that's all it's good for. So if a church loses its distinctiveness, it's not good for anything. Now, what is the distinctiveness? Here's the question. What do salt and politics have in common? Too much of them will ruin Thanksgiving dinner. That's, here's what, here's how Jesus connects these ideas. A church must be united in a divided world. And that unity is what, is part of what makes a church distinct. It's part of what makes a church salty. It's part of what shows the wider society the way forward for people. Now, I don't, I'm not making this up. This came right from Jesus. He had this really famous prayer right at the end of his life, right before he died on the cross and, and was raised again. And here's what he said about all of us who would believe in him someday. He said, I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Jesus wanted us to be unified. And that's part of what makes us distinct. Unity in a divided world is a beautiful thing. And this is something that I don't know about you, but I feel like our city needs this. I feel like our city needs to see a vision of a way forward to live together with unity. I feel like our church needs this. I mean, I feel like you need this and I need this. I, I don't need one more place in my life 
that is divided over politics. I need a refuge from that sort of division that happens in our world. And the church can be that kind of place if we catch a vision for something deeper, wider, more beautiful than politics. If our consciousness, if we, if we develop a consciousness about the kingdom of God, it will put politics into its proper perspective and our church can be unified. So, turn on your Bible or turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 1, verse 13, because that's our text for today. And I'm going to read it to you out loud. Here's what it says. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. Is a list of the 12 disciples of Jesus. And we're talking about this today in our series, Unity in a Divided World, and we're talking about unity across political lines in the church. And the reason I wanted to point this out is because the followers of Jesus had different political commitments, but they were completely unified. So let me point out a couple things from this text. The first one is that Jesus' followers had a political consciousness. Now, according to Josephus, who is a very famous first century historian, there are three main sects of Judaism at that time. And each one, they weren't political parties. Political parties didn't exist back then, but they had a political consciousness to them. There were the Sadducees. They were pro-Roman and pro-Hellenization. There were the Pharisees. They were anti-Roman, anti-Hellenization. And there were the Essenes, and they were isolationists. And then Josephus mentions that there was a fourth sect that was not as popular called the Zealots. And the Zealots were radically anti-Roman and they engaged in violence and terrorist type activities to try to drive the Romans out of Judea. And it's actually kind of interesting. The Zealots came into existence in about 6 uh, BC, no, 6 AD, excuse me, when Quirinius, the governor, did a census of all Judea. And most censuses happen you know, in America, they're doing the 2020 census right now. They're like, hey, make sure you get your money from the government. But historically, censuses are not to get money from the government. They are to make sure everyone pays their taxes. And so Quirinius did this census, and that's when Mary and Joseph went back to Bethlehem with Jesus. But that census was also the birth of the zealot movement, where they started violence against the Romans. Now, among Jesus' followers, we know that Pharisees were disciples of Jesus. Joseph of Arimathea was a Pharisee. He followed Jesus. We know that zealots followed Jesus because in that list, Simon is called the zealot. And they, they kind of stick that label on the end of his name because it's different than Simon Peter. It's a different Simon. So he used to be, at least, a zealot. Now, we also know Matthew was a tax collector. So Matthew was solidly pro-Roman. Matthew was collecting taxes from Jews giving the money to the Romans, and the Romans were using it to pay their army so they could oppress the Jews. So Matthew is in the pro-Roman camp. So people from all different political affiliations followed Jesus. And the other disciples, they didn't come from a party or a sect, but they had a political consciousness because if you remember, they were always asking Jesus when his kingdom was going to come. And their idea was sort of like, Jesus, you're going to be the king. You know, the army's going to come in. The Romans are going to de be defeated. And there's going to be a new kingdom. And so they had these political hopes and aspirations. Um, but I don't want you to miss this because this is where it gets really important for us. The disciples often missed the work of God because of their, because of their politics. So here's an example. Jesus... 
dies on the cross, and rises from the dead. I mean, come on, this is major. He defeats Satan, sin, and death. There's metaphysical things happening. There's eternal things happening. And when he shows back up to the disciples, what do they ask him? Acts chapter one, verse six. The disciples gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Like, they are still seeing this through their political lens. Like, man, obviously the kingdom's coming, right, Jesus? Now is when it happens. And so I think in that is a warning to us. Don't let your politics cause you to miss the work of God. The second thing I want to point out from this text is that all of Jesus' followers had a reorientation around the kingdom of God. Whatever they started off as, pro-Roman, anti-Roman, pro-Hellenization, against it, isolationist, they all ended up with their fundamental identity being around the kingdom of God rather than their previous political commitments. Jesus talked about this all the time, that you can't hold on to the past and walk into God's future at the same time, that there has to be some kind of deep reorientation in your identity. In fact, he used the language of, it's like if, as though you were born again. So all those things that determined your identity the first time are now superseded by a new identity. Right? That's what it would mean to be born again. Like your identity shifts. Uh, Jesus talked about this one time by saying, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. In other words, he's willing to sell everything he's accumulated in his entire life to find this new treasure that is so beautiful and captivating to him. And that happened in the lives of the disciples. Now watch this, this is where things get subtle. And I don't know if you've noticed, but in 2020 in America, we're not doing great with subtlety. Okay, but this is where things get subtle. It's not that Jesus' followers were apolitical. It's that they were radically focused on the kingdom of God and if that had political consequences, then so be it. Then it is what it is. But they never retreated back into, well, this is the political party that I come from. This is the, the, the Jewish sect that I come from. It was kingdom of God all the way because God has so deeply changed me by forgiving me and giving me grace and freedom. So it's kingdom of God. And if that has political consequences, then it is what it is. Now, let me give you some examples. When they said Jesus is Lord, Maybe you've heard this before. You know what people used to say about Caesar? Caesar is Lord. It meant Caesar is king. Caesar is president. Caesar is commander in chief. And when the early Christians de declared that C uh, Jesus is Lord, they were saying, and that kind of means that Caesar is not Lord, which is one of the reasons why the early Christians were persecuted. Here's another example. Uh, the word gospel, it doesn't come from Christians. It comes from Caesar. In fact, they have inscriptions. When Caesar had a son, so that would mean an heir to the throne, they would send out this gospel to the Roman Empire, this good news. Hey, everyone, good news. Caesar had a son. And Christians took that language of the good news about Caesar and said, hey, no, there's, there's a better news than that. And it's about someone who loves you so much, he was willing to die so that your sins could be wiped away and you could have eternal life and freedom and hope. And that had political implications for the followers. But the most foundational thing about them was their reorientation around the kingdom of God. Here's the final thing I wanna point out from this text. Jesus' disciples were unified. And that may seem obvious to you, but it's really quite breathtaking that you have someone who was a tax collector, like funding the Roman 
occupation. And then you have Simon the Zealot, who would have been bombing or killing, right? There's no bombs. He would have been killing tax collectors and they're living together in unity as Jesus followers. That is striking to me. That means something deep inside of people has changed. But here's another interesting thought. When Jesus died and he wasn't around anymore, those same followers stayed unified. And that's pretty amazing to me because the Romans were still occupying Judea. So the thing that had divided all of them politically was still happening. But even when Jesus wasn't around, they stayed united. They had every reason to be divided. But something about encountering Jesus reoriented their whole world away from their political aspirations towards the kingdom of God. So here's what I think that means for us. I think it means that we need a vision of the kingdom of God that is deeper and wider and more expansive than our view of politics. We need something more captivating, something more beautiful than living for the party line. I actually can't think of anything that is, I just, I, like living for a party line, like I cannot fathom that. That seems like such a small existence. But to live for the kingdom of God, to me, is beautiful. It's an adventure. It calls you forward. So we need to develop a kingdom consciousness. Now, in just a second, I'm going to talk about practically how I think we can do that. But before we do that, I want to talk to those of you who the division and the partisanship in our society is its causing you an incredible amount of distress and anxiety. And one reason that that could be in your life is because you don't have a relationship with God that gives you a bigger perspective on what's happening in our world. When you know God, you have this, this perspective on the kingdom of God that there's a God who's in charge of things. He's in control of things. Things are going to work out. There's a hope and there's a future in your life. But if you don't know him and you don't have a relationship with him, you don't have that perspective. You just have cable news and the internet. And it's like, no wonder there's so much anxiety or depression or just a sense that things are not going to be okay in your life. But here's some great news for you. When it comes to having a relationship with God, God is not picky. <laughs> you know, if God will start a relationship with me as a 17-year-old Jewish kid on drugs, like, bro, he'll take you. God would love to have a relationship with you because you are one of his kids. And God loves the kids he has made. Jesus lo God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins and raise from the dead so that you could have freedom and hope. You could have your past forgiven, you could have an eternity in heaven, and you could have the power to change today some of those bad and destructive habits that have been killing you for years. And I know because I've lived it. And so if that isn't in place in your life today, at the end of the message in a few minutes, I'm gonna pray and give you an opportunity to start that relationship with God. But I just wanna let you know, if you, know, if you want to have a kingdom consciousness, something bigger than politics, you're gonna need that in place in your life. And maybe at the end of the message, you can that prayer that I can pray, you, you make it your prayer. All right, so for the rest of us, how do we develop that kingdom consciousness? I don't think it's easy. I don't think it's easy, especially with all the podcasts and all the YouTube videos and all the things being thrown into our faces. But I wanted to share with you something very simple that I do personally that I've found helpful. And I don't think this is gonna solve the problem in a day. It's just been really helpful to me, especially in this next 85 days as we think about the election coming. I wrote down these statements from the Bible that talk about 
our identity as followers of Jesus. And I've printed it out and I look at them and I read them each day. And each one comes from a specific verse in the Bible. Let me read you this list that I put together. It says this, I am a Christian. Jesus is my president. My country is not of this world. I do not blindly follow any person, especially politicians. I do not think what a political party or the media or a podcast or my university tells me to think. I test it by the word of God. People are not my enemy. The devil is. I follow my king everywhere, even when it has social or political implications. I listen more than I speak. I fight for unity in my church. I advocate for a just society. I disagree graciously. I represent Jesus every time I post on social media. Can I get an amen? Let me read that one one more time for us for the next 85 days. I represent Jesus every time I post on social media. I fight my battles with love and humility. My king is Jesus. My kingdom is not of this world. I am a Christian. Now listen, if you want that PDF, we wanna share that with you. Fill out the online connection card today. I think Nicole and the team gave everyone a card so that you can fill that out. We would love for you to fill that out. Put a prayer request in there. We take those seriously. We pray for those as a staff every week. And if you fill out that card at all today, we'll just send you that PDF automatically if you put an email address in. If you're new and you're like, man, I don't trust you yet, put your burner email address in that all your spam goes to and then you can check that. And if you become a part of our church later, you can give us your real email address. But we wanna, we wanna get that to you and hopefully it'll be something that helps you in your life. It's not gonna solve the whole problem, but maybe it'll get you started. If you do that, one way that you could use that this week would be to look up the verses that go with each one of those statements and meditate on those, or if you're a writer, journal on that a little bit. And I think it will help us to develop the kingdom consciousness, to remember that there are things more beautiful than political victory, to remember that there are things more important than our person being in charge. We all want our person to be in charge, but when you have a a rock solid belief that Jesus is gonna work things out for his glory and your good, you have peace. And that's a great thing. So here's my hope for us. The presidential election is 85 days away. And we have a choice as Renewal Church, we have a chance to represent Jesus well over the next 85 days. We have a chance to be known for what we are for, not who we are against. We have a chance to be known as people of grace and humility instead of people of anger and fear. And we have a chance to live as a church that's united in a divided world. We are not going to make political party affiliation a test for friendship or membership in our church. Our test is, are we living for the kingdom of God? And we, will, we want to rally around and help you live for the kingdom of God. We want to rally around you and help you live a life of love. We want to rally around you and help you make a kingdom difference in your relationships, in your church, and in the city of Boston. That's what we're going to be about over these next 85 days. When this election is over, 
I want Jesus to have a better reputation, our church to have a better reputation, and you to have grown in your ability to love across the lines. All right, let's live that out. Hey, I mentioned to you earlier that if you feel like that relationship with God isn't in place for you, that I was gonna give you a chance to pray and put your faith in God today. Um, that's a decision that I made at 17, and it really did change my life. I didn't grow up thinking I would be a pastor. Let me just tell you, I have a degree in biomedical engineering. I thought my life was gonna be very different. But when God entered into my life, he changed some deep things in my soul. And the same could be true for you. So I'm gonna pray a prayer asking God to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. And if you'd like to, you can pray along with me, right? Would you join me in praying? God, when I see all the division in this world, my soul is full of anxiety. And, and I recognize that I'm lacking that eternal perspective that gives me hope. I really want a relationship with you. God, I can see that in my own life, there are ways that I have contributed to that division and that brokenness. I, I could even admit it, God, I'm a, I'm a sinner and I, I need your help in my life. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and forgave my sins. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and so I wanna follow after him. Would you make heaven my home? Would you forgive my sins? Would you give me the power to change today? I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, hey, listen, if you prayed that today, maybe for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time, I want you to fill out the online connection card and I want you to get baptized. Because in the Bible, whenever people would put their faith in Jesus, the next step is always that they would plunge their past away. And actually next week, we have someone who's been watching our services online who will be driving up from New Jersey and we're gonna have a baptism right after the service. And we're thinking it's gonna be at the Esplanade, but I'm gonna have to put on a bathing suit and test it first. So pray for me, because I'm getting in the Charles River. <laughs> but if you wanna be baptized, you can let us know on the connection card and we can make that happen. Um, I do wanna let everybody know, and uh, I'm required by our bylaws to let everybody know that we have a members meeting coming up on August 14th. So if you're a member, we're gonna be talking about our bylaws of the church, and we'd love for you to be a part of that. For everybody else, thank you for being here today. I'm gonna to pass it back to Heather, who's also my wife, for just a second. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Make sure that you go to renewalchurchboston.com connect to fill out your connection card. There's a place there for prayer. That's also where you're going to have um, any gifts that you wanna to give to the church. And Renewal, you guys are such a generous church. Um, Jared wanted me to let you know that actually this month we're helping support a church plant in Brockton, Resurrect Church, and they're just great people over there. And we're praying for them and going behind them and supporting them. So thank you so much for your generosity to help us be able to do things like that, not just with our church, but around the city and around the world. So we are so grateful you joined us. Make sure to come next week if you are comfortable and healthy at 1030 here in Boston Common. And we will see you then. Have a good one.